Thank you very much, Fionn. Number two, Mark. Hello. Ah, brilliant. Good morning. Good morning. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And Lord, as I speak now, would you take my words and use them and speak to each individual person here with your words, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, um, when Tim gave me this, um, this one to, to do, he didn't know that this is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible, this, this first part of, of Romans 12, particularly the first verse, but I'll come to that a little bit later on. Now, I don't know about you and what you all think about the plethora of talent shows on TV nowadays. Now, you've got Britain's Got Talent, The X Factor, and my all-time personal favorite, So You Think You Can Dance. You can imagine me on that, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, thanks, John. Um, <laughs> sometimes they do throw up the odd class act, but most of them are not, as Lee Walsh would like to say, the real deal. Where on earth does he get that phrase from? I wouldn't really call myself a fan. They tend to be on in our house because Joe's watching them, or more often Judy's watching them, obviously. <laughs> and... Um, but I do find myself inexplicably, inexplicably drawn to them, particularly the early audition rounds. And I sit there thinking, some of it's probably a bit about the cringe factor, isn't it? You sit there thinking, has no one ever told them they can't sing a note in tune? I can sing better than them. What's that about? <laughs> You've all sat in front of me on a Sunday morning, obviously. But sometimes, just occasionally, they do throw up the odd surprise, don't they? Now, you go back two or three years to Britain's Got Talent, and Susan Boyle, or Subo as we now have to call her, walks onto the stage, and you can see that everyone is almost laughing at her. They think, how can anything of any talent come out of this person? A dowdy old Scotswoman, old, she's probably about the same age as me, but she looked a lot older than me, um, standing on the stage there, and then she opens her voice, opens her mouth, and starts to sing. And all you can hear, apart from the singing, is the almost audible sound of people's jaws dropping. And they think, how did that happen? And it's interesting, the, um, the one thing I remember particularly is Piers Morgan, who was one of the judges at the time, said in his comments, no one's laughing at you now. Now, sometimes I think we can be a bit like that audience. Not when we're looking at others, although sometimes I think we do fall into the trap of judging people where we shouldn't be judging. But often when we're looking at ourselves, we think we possibly couldn't ha don't have the talent or the gifts or the skills to do what you're calling me to do, God. Today, we come to the end of our evaluation process as a church. We've been looking at the whole life of the church. But to my mind... All of the past 12 weeks have been building towards today's finale. We can talk all we like about how we want the church to be shaped for mission, what we can do with our building, or how we can build our prayer life. But all of those things will only develop if every single one of us is involved. If we can all find the place that God wants for us 
in his church. Now, when I worked at Arga, our um, retail director had the four Ps. Um, product, profit, property, and people. And it was interesting that people often came last, which is probably the wrong way around. Because I think people are any organization's biggest asset and biggest investment. And it's the same is true about the church. So although today is the end of this stage of our church's evaluation process, what I hope and pray is that it may be the start of our own personal evaluation process. Let's use today's service and the discussions we have during the week as a springboard for a new season in our own lives as well as the life of our church. The passage we've just heard read is very clear. We should place ourselves as living sacrifices. But what on earth does that mean? Many years ago, the, the worship leader at our then church gave a short series of talks on worship. The one that I remember to this day was about worship being a lifestyle. It's not something that we do for an hour every Sunday. It's something that's about our everyday, ordinary life. Though I believe that getting involved with our church is also much more than worship. It's about true, servant-hearted leadership. And the model we can look to is that of Jesus, who came to earth to serve. And ultimately, that service led him to sacrifice his life for us. Jesus said of himself, whoever, whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to, to serve, not to be served, and then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. This passage in Romans compares the church to a body. As part of the body, we all have a role to play. If we're going to serve, then we need to know and understand the gifts that God has given us. Now, there are many tools and questionnaires, and I'm sure some of you have done many of them, that we can use to try and analyze our characteristics and gifts. However, sometimes, and probably more often than not, it can be as simple as talking to a good friend, someone who knows you well, someone that understands how we tick, but isn't afraid to tell the truth when we go down the wrong road. One important thing to remember and it can become much more obvious in, if you look at the sort of similar passage in, Rome, in Corinthians 12, is that no role is any more important than any other. Whether it's speaking, leading worship, operating the projector or PA desks, to cleaning the church, mowing the grass, or making the coffee. Without any of these roles, the church could not be effective in its mission and ministry. It could be that we just need to give things a try. And what I love about Christchurch is that there's a developing culture, particularly embodied in, in late, of being able to try out the gifts that we believe God has given us. And there's no fear of getting it wrong. It's vitally important that we take all of these opportunities we're given to learn how to serve and also to learn where our gifts may lie. Now, as some of you may know, I've done quite a bit of training around leadership and team building and management outside of church within my job. And through this, I've looked at some team theory called um, Belvin's Team Roles, which I'm sure some of you may know as well. 
And it's quite interesting that Belbin, through the language of business, seems to agree with Paul's comparison of the church to the body. His theory says that for a team to function, it needs a complete range of skills and types to be in that team. And just an aside, in the time that I've been running and leading the Growing Leaders courses, it's amazing how much of business management and leadership teaching can be linked quite closely to biblical principles. It's a shame that we still forget, often, the whole servant leadership part of that story. What a different country would have if our political and business leaders went about their day-to-day -day lives with a servant-hearted attitude to their roles. So we've seen getting involved is really based on Jesus' model of servant leadership. I can see three questions arising. First of all, how should we serve? Let's go back to that first verse in Romans 12. And I'm reading this time from the message um, translation. And this really is probably my favorite verse. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Your everyday, ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. So what does that mean? It means give of our very best, not our second best. Whatever we're doing, we do it as if we're doing it for God. Just because God may have blessed us with some amazing skill or talent does not mean we should take it for granted. It takes practice and concentration. Now you're all aware I'm no musician. I can just about, with a bit of practice, play Mary Had a Little Lamb, one-fingered on the piano. Can you do that, Simon, yeah? No. <laughs> but if I was a musician, I would know that I would need to keep practicing regularly to keep up my skills. And I'm sure that's what all of you guys do as musicians, is practice regularly. If I'm to give my best when I'm on the projector or on the PA, I need to know what all the knobs and buttons do, how the software works, I need to understand that if I'm getting feedback from the speaker's microphone, which knob to turn down to stop it happening. I need to have a bit of a clue about what might be happening in the service as well. Always difficult when Simon's leading worship. <laughs> Sorry, Simon. <laughs> you sat there, really. But it does, and it doesn't matter whether the service that... The, the thing we're involved in is about half a dozen people sat in this building, or whether it's a conference of thousands of people at New Wine. What I do behind a computer or keyboard or, or PA desk is part of my worship to God. And secondly, the question is, who should we serve? And first and foremost, it's obviously God. Everything we do should be done as if we're doing it for God. It's not only about what we do in church or in our Christian community, but it's also about what we do in our day-to-day -day lives whether that's work or home, school or college, it means giving of our very best. Secondly, we've been called to serve each other, to work for each other, to lay down our lives for each other. And there are many examples of the history of Christians who have served each other while serving God. We just sang, just before the, the reading, the, a version of Amazing Grace. And John Newton, who wrote that, um, is one of those, one of the most famous people of those who who served others whilst also serving God. 
having been involved in the slave trade before becoming a Christian, he spent the latter part of his life serving those very same slaves. He worked tirelessly with William Wilberforce to get the Slave Trade Act, which effectively abolished slavery through Parliament. He managed it in 1807, just a few months before he died, serving others. And the church, we're called to serve the church, and this is the obvious, not the only place where we can effectively serve God. As I said earlier, there are so many areas in our church where we can serve, and we'll have an opportunity in a few minutes to think much more closely about where we could get involved. And it's not necessarily the most obvious places either. And fourthly, the community. Although we're not majoring on this today, we can also effectively serve God in our community. Whether that's through Christian organized events like Soul Purpose and, and such like, or whether it's with local charities, scout groups, fair trade stores, that sort of stuff. And thirdly, why are we serving? Is it to make us feel better? If so, I'd say we're doing it for the wrong reasons. Our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. He became a servant, even though he was God. Jesus said, who would you rather be? The one who eats the dinner, or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? But I've taken my place among you, as the one who serves. God created this upside down and back to front kingdom, where the first shall be last and the last first, and where the one who is Lord of all the earth takes his place among us as one who serves. He is our model for everything. Our whole life should be carried out with the attitude of service and servanthood. It's not a place of what we might see as slavery, but a hugely and mutually beneficial place. We may not be rewarded financially for the things we do, but that is not what it is about. We'll be rewarded in ways and means that are unknown to us and beyond our understanding. I've got a, a quote, short paragraph here from James Anderson in the quote system in his book, Growing Leaders. Imagine visiting a church on a Saturday morning. As you enter, you spot an elderly lady arranging flowers at the front. She smiles and continues with her work until you draw alongside her on your tour of the building. After various pleasantries, you inquire if she always does the flowers. She replies, Oh yes, I do them to help people feel warm and welcomed when they come to the service, especially the guests. It can be such a strange experience if you haven't been before. And then we take them to the housebound and elderly on Monday to show them a little love and care. It gives us a lovely opportunity to talk and pray with them. Somewhat surprised by her answer, you ask if she's, if she's always seen flower arranging in that way. Oh no, I used to be on the rotor, but a few years ago, our new minister got us to think about our church, what we're here for, what God might be asking us to do, and then I began to realize. There's someone who's taken something that they did because they enjoyed and turned it into worship for God. So I've got three things for you as a challenge. First of all, do you know where your giftings lie? If not, take time to work on discovering them. Whether that's by trying things out, completing one of these questionnaires that are available, or talking to someone who knows you well. 
Maybe you're serving in certain areas and you find yourselves just going through the motions. Maybe that you need to take some time to take stock of where you're serving. Is it the right place? Are you using your gifts to glorify God and give your best? In a moment we'll have a time of reflection and use that time to place before God the things you're doing. Are you doing the things you're doing for the right reason? Are you doing them to make you feel important or chasing the so-called important roles? Let's constantly be, be examining ourselves and our attitudes in what we do. And one other point is that if we serve, particularly when we're serving within a team, we'll find a real sense of belonging. Belonging to the team, to the church, and to each other. Serving with each other develops a real sense of community that's intrinsic to us as a fellowship. And finally, sometimes we may feel that we don't have enough time to do everything. To do everything we feel we're called to do. Let me leave you with this anonymous quote. There's enough time in the day to do everything God wants us to do. So if you haven't got enough time, what needs to go? Is it time to surrender our lives to God? To stand with arms opened wide and say, I surrender my whole life to you, God. Here I am. Use me. And we're going to move into a time of response now, which will end up being in two parts. But I'll explain them a little bit in reverse order so they can sort of move smoothly on. You should have some post-it notes with you. What I want you to do with the post-it notes, first of all, you should have maybe three or four notes. Write your name on them, each one. Just pop your name on them whilst I'm explaining the rest of it. And you'll see around church um, various um, pieces of flip chart paper. Some of them have got post-its already on them from the nine o'clock service, which is fabulous. I'll just quickly go through them, and some you may not know or know exactly what they are. So Alpha is, is helping, and what I would say is that with any of these, by putting a post-it note with your name on it, you're not saying, I'm going to do this. What you're saying is, I want to find out a bit more about how I can get involved in this. Um, also, you may already be involved in something, and you may feel, actually, I want to just recommit to what I'm doing. If you're a visitor here from another church, maybe, then obviously we're not expecting to sign up because we won't know where to find you. But you may like to take some of the things we've been talking about and, and go back to your own church and say how you, how you feel about things. And also, if, you, if you're new to the church and don't feel that you're ready to get involved, then again, don't feel like you have to put notes up, but just have a chat to us afterwards. And as we go through, as you become part of the church, and then we'll use that time to find where your giftings may lie and where you can get involved. So Alpha is the sort of course for the new and, and people that are looking about Christianity. Um, youth small group is a Tuesday evenings at the moment, um, small cell group that needs help in running that. Sides persons helping on a Sunday morning. Admin, Joyce needs lots of help. I can't see the one. Stay and play, thank you, Lisa. So helping with stay and play, which is Friday morning, isn't it? Um, Mums and toddlers group, effectively. Um, welcome uh, by the PA desk there's welcome team again Sunday morning video and sound so that's projector and PA or music there's rock salt which is Sunday kids work out the back on a Sunday morning messy church which is Wednesday 
after-school club here. Um, there's the finance team, Freedom in Christ, Outlook, building maintenance, uh, which also includes things like mowing the lawn and that sort of stuff. You get to ride a sit-on mower for that. Prayer ministry, there's nothing behind that door, is there, John? No. Pastoral care, um, refreshments, coffee and things on a Sunday morning. School assemblies, um, supporting York House. You Maybe you're sat here thinking, well, I've seen all those, but I'm not sure. I know God wants to use me. I'm not sure where. So there's a spot saying, I'm unsure. And then we'll talk to you afterwards. Preaching, um, home group leading. Is the one behind that pillar, Tim? No. Missionary Action Group, leading services, senior citizens lunch, um, zone and wearing God's wellies, which need particular help at the moment with Paul and Katie leaving. But what we're going to do is, uh, as we move into that is spend a few minutes just in a, a meditation. And we've got a, a, um, a PowerPoint and music that's going to show. And it's a meditation based on surrender. And again, we're saying to God, I surrender my whole life to you, God. Here I am. Use me. Thanks, Bethany.